Well, hello there, and thanks for stopping by the USC Christian Challenge podcast. Produced by students and staff at the University of Southern California's Christian Challenge Student Ministry, we seek to connect and equip students to know Jesus, live lives honoring to Him, and make Him known to their communities. Learn more about us at uscchristianchallenge.com and connect with us on social media at USC Challenge. Welcome to Challenge. The topic we're going to be looking at tonight is, um, we're going to be calling this Above All Else. As we start tonight, what I'd like you to do for a few minutes is this. I want you to imagine, if you would, with me, that you're sitting in an audience of a popular movie, and it is probably the wildest movie you can ever imagine. I mean, incredible, incredulous things are happening on the screen, things that you just, you can't even believe. There's all sorts of sexually explicit scenes, uh, not just suggested or, you know, alluded to, but actually lived out right there in front of you on the screen and um, just, you know, X-rated. It's, there's obscene language. There's people on the screen treating each other with just utter discontent, humiliating one another, slandering one another, mistreating one another. They, they even go so far as at the end, they, they murder their fellow performers right there on the screen. And you are taking all of this in. And I mean, you're thinking, good night. I mean, absolute mayhem. Now, the question I would ask you is this, where in the world does a movie like that come from? I mean, where, where in the world, who would come up with a movie like that? I'm glad you asked. Jesus hits on that point in Mark chapter 7, verses 21 and 22. And he says, for it is from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. What Jesus is saying there is, if we were to cast the hidden contents of the human heart onto the silver screen, that that's the kind of show we would get. Now, I mean, think about your own desires. Think about your own fantasies. Think about the pride and, and kind of the bitterness that can be in you sometimes. Think about the jealousy. Think about the words that you say that uh, people never hear you say. Think about all of that being brought to light on the screen for everyone to see. I mean, you, you talk about humiliating embarrassment. And yet, Jesus brings that up with them for the same reason he brings it up with us, not to humiliate, but to help us understand if we're going to deal with this issue in our lives, we've got to get to the very heart of it. We've got to get to the core, and the core is our heart. And what you find is Jesus is not the first one to uh, address this. About 990 years before Jesus lived, there was a man who was dubbed the wisest man who'd ever lived. It was King Solomon. And King Solomon was a guy, I mean, he, he was amazing. He was proliferate. He was a Renaissance kind of a guy, just utterly brilliant. And then he makes this statement, and the way that he states it shows its importance and shows just the staggeringness of the statement. But he says this. He says, above all else. In other words, of first importance, above all else, 
and guard your heart, for everything you do flows, flows from it. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Everything you do. Now, you may wonder, you know, why make such a big deal of that? You know, why does Solomon, why does he make such a huge deal of this? Why is this above all else? Why? Well, let me give you three reasons I think that is. One, we have the real, really the ability to fool ourselves. I mean, our hearts are deceitful. Uh, Jeremiah picks up on this in Jeremiah 17, 9. And he says, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand? You know, our hearts keep lying to us. We, we do something wrong or we say something wrong or we hurt someone and, and we excuse it with statements like, well, that's not really me. Yes, it is. At least that's the current state of your heart, whether you like it or not, that, that really is. You know, but not only do our hearts deceive us, but, you know, another reason he thinks it's so important, that's what God's focus is. In 2 Samuel <clears throat> chapter 16, verse, verse 7, God speaking, he says, God sees not as man sees, for man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So you begin to look there. That, that verse helps us to understand several things. One, it helps us to understand why is it that we really focus on, on behavior sometimes? Why is it we tend to want to focus on image? You know why? Because man looks at the outward appearance. And so really the question you have to ask yourself a lot of times as you want to begin to grow and really walk with God is, who's your audience going to be? If your audience is, is going to be just people around you, then you know what? Working on the outside well, you're probably uh, you're probably going to be able to get away with a lot. But if the audience is God himself, then you have to work on your heart and you have to really make choices that allow you to do that so you can you can grow. The third reason is our hearts are really the control center of our life. That's where decisions and choices are made that affect all of your life. That's the heart's function to make those choices. That's the heart's function to really, for you to, um, to see how, let me, let me give you, let me show you a picture. This is kind of how this works. Here's a picture. There's a picture of your heart right here. Now your heart, if you can imagine in your heart right there, um, that's kind of the control center of your life. That, that's full of good things. It's full of bad things. I mean, it's, it's got a mixture of both. It's got some things in there. I mean, you're capable of doing some really noble things, and you're capable of doing some really slimy things. And what we do is we take and we tend to take this heart that is being impacted by, like, our worldview. It's being impacted by the experiences in our life. It's being impacted by... Uh, categories in our life. It's being impacted by all these things. And what we do is we take that and we kind of filter it through our perspective and our values. Now, perspective, by what I mean by that is how we think life really works. You know, we look at it and we, we have this idea of how we think it works. And so that's, that's what your perspective is based off. And then your values is what you really want in life. 
not not like what do you want when someone asks you know okay you know what do you want up here oh i want and you name this list but it's what you really go after what what are your affections really going after and as a result of our heart being filtered through our perspectives and our values what comes out on the other side is our behavior so let, let me just give you a, a, a practical way about how that would work you know um for one, your perspective kind of interacts with your values back and forth, back and forth, because it's not like you don't value God sometimes. It's just like you value a lot of other things as well. And your perspective plays in with all this. So how this tends to work is something like this. Let's say you really value uh, an attribute of God, like God talks about faithfulness. And you think, oh, yeah, you know, faithfulness. I think I ought to be faithful. I think I ought to really, you know, keep commitments. I think I ought to really you know, do what I say. But you also have another value. Cool. And maybe you value it because, you know, you've always thought of yourself as a really cool person. Or maybe you value it because you're not sure anyone ever really has thought of you as a really cool person. And you really want to be thought of that way. So you really value it either way. So now, all of a sudden, something comes up, a situation comes up, and you have to choose. Do I do I do what I was gonna do? Do I do what I say? Do I do I be faithful to this? Or I do I do what I think would make me more cool in front of other people? Something that people would look at and go, ooh, ah, now all I'd have to do to do that is just kind of break my word and just kind of not be faithful. But you know what? It's not that I don't value that. I mean, I do value that. I mean, it's number three this week, you know, behind a cool and, and some other things. But, you know, I mean, it's right in there. And so you begin to go back and forth. And you ultimately, how you answer the decision about that is your perspective. Now, if your perspective is something like, you know what? What God has said about this, he really means. And um, we really ought to take him seriously. Well, then that, that's one thing. But if your idea is something like, you know, I believe in God. I think that's really true. Kind of like I, I believe, you know, uh, in George Washington. Uh, I really believe he was the first president of the United States. But that doesn't really affect my daily life. It doesn't make any difference, you know. And a lot of people, that's exactly the perspective they have when it comes to sorting things right here in their walk with God. They look at it and they think, you know what? Yeah, I ought to be faithful because, you know, I remember I, I read that or at least somebody told me, you know, and so I ought to be faithful, but uh, maybe God doesn't pay attention that well, or maybe he doesn't. And so however you begin to think of perspective-wise, that'll really determine your choices. And what we need to understand is our choices make a huge difference in our lives. But we need to be aware of the condition of our heart. What Jesus says in Matthew 15, 19, he says, out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, uh, false testimony, slander. You know, now here's the thing. If the heart is the control center of your life. And I, I would tell you men and women it is. And if that's what God focuses on, and that's what he tells us in his word, that he focuses on that, that that's what's of supreme concern to him. 
then wouldn't Solomon's words make sense? Above all else, guard your heart. Now, I would tell you this. There's good news, too. Here's the good news. You can have a different movie. Heart change really is possible. When they show the contents of your heart, cast them up onto the silver screen, it can be a much better movie than the one you saw. Heart change really is possible, but it doesn't happen overnight. And what you've got to do is you can begin to experience much more of a heart in tune with God as you will begin to do the things that he says that bring about heart change. Now, here's the problem. Most of the time, if we're really honest, we don't want to do that. I mean, you know, I, I, I think we're just slothful at points. I mean, Mac and I were talking about this earlier today, you know, that a lot of times what you'll find is that someone will, uh, you know, let's, let's say this. Happens. Let's say that all of a sudden I'm over there and I decide my heart doesn't feel right. It's just, you know, not doing good. My physical heart, it doesn't feel like it's doing good. So I go to the doctor and the doctor says, let me, let me tell you about this thing that we've discovered here over the years. That's called exercise. Now, you look like you haven't done that in a long time. So what I want you to do, Neil, is I want you to go out and I want you to start exercising three times a week. And I go, yeah, <laughs> you know, I would, except my heart uh, is, is uh, it, it's, it's kind of weak. And, you know, I, I, I just don't want to do it. He goes, no, no, I don't think you understand. See, the reason I want you to exercise is your heart is kind of weak and you've got these problems in your heart. And if you will do these things, then it will correct that. I said, yeah, you know, I understand that, but can you just give me something to take or something? Or can you just kind of do something for me? Cause see, I don't really want to do anything. You know, at which point the doctor says, you're, you're, you're a virtual idiot. Do you not understand what I'm saying to you? And I'm like, well, you know, not really, not really, you know. And that's how we tend to act towards God sometimes. God says, these are things that will really correct your heart. These are the things that will really help you. And we're like, hmm, I don't know. I mean, I'd like for you just to fix my heart, you know. And God says, you know, I'll give you a heart a flesh, not a heart of stone. So you can actually respond to me. So you've got the ability to have a heart that'll grow. But if you want it to be a healthy heart, you have got to do some things to guard. So what do you do to begin to guard your heart? You know, what, what do you do? Well, the first thing you do, uh, and this is kind of a foundational thing. It's found in Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. And Solomon says this, he says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. So what I'd like us to do for a little bit, I'd like us to kind of unpack that a little bit. You know, often I think we hear that verse or we read those verses. You may even have memorized those verses. And yet we really don't think about what all God is saying there. You know, the first part right there, he says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't trust your heart. That's not what he's saying. He says, trust God with your heart. You know, don't just, you know, I'm going to follow my heart. No, 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 no. He says, no, trust in the Lord 
with all your heart. And notice what he says right there, all your heart. This isn't a halfway thing. You know, you need to trust in him with all of your heart. And then he says, lean not on your own understanding. In other words, lean on his understanding, not, not yours. When the way you think you should go and the way that he says you should go differ, lean into him, go with him. When you know, you're not sure what makes sense, and it kind of differs from what you think he wants you to do, or you are very clear that what he said in his uh, word is different from what you want to do, lean into him. You know, not, don't go your own way. And then he says in the next part right there, in all your ways, acknowledge him. Now, we think of acknowledge a lot of times kind of like something somebody does at the Academy Awards or something where they kind of go, and I'd like to give a, a shout out to my parents for having had me, you know, and I want to, you know, all these. That's not what he's talking about here. When he's talking about acknowledge, what he's talking about there, it, it's not just tipping your hat. But to acknowledge means that you recognize him for who he is and you respond accordingly. You recognize him for who he is and you respond accordingly. Now, if we recognize God for who he is, to respond accordingly then is to seek and to submit to his will in every area of our life because that would only make sense. If he is who he said he is, then for us to let him lay out the path of our life would only make sense. For us to submit to him would make sense. Solomon concludes with this very practical promise. He says, he will make your paths straight. Now, he doesn't mean he will straighten out whatever path you choose. That's not what he's saying. But what he is saying is he will divinely direct us to the best path. So as we seek and submit to him in all areas of our life, he promises to guide us to the best paths. But the responsibility in us is to seek and submit to him in all areas of our life. And that's what, that is what Solomon is talking about in those verses. And those are foundational verses because God direction, his direction begins with submission. It's very foundational what we're about. Now, a lot of that, guys, is going to grow out of a worldview you have. Before you come to Christ, I mean, you tend to have a worldview that kind of centers around you. And, you know, you decide in your mind and in your heart kind of what you think truth is. And you decide, you know, what you do because you're kind of enthroned on the throne of your life. What it means to come into the kingdom, what it means to, to have a new king, Jesus, is that we come to know him, and as we come to know him, we place him on the throne of our lives. So we check out things with him, and we begin to follow him. Now, our hearts, we've got to really guard our hearts, because we've got all these different things that are going in with our hearts and our lives, and a lot of things just bombard us. And if you've lived life very long, you've developed patterns in your life of ways that you uh, think and ways you act and ways you treat people and ways you handle relationships. And what you have to do when you step into the kingdom is you've got to retrain your heart. So you've got to guard your heart and you've got to keep some things out of your heart that want to come in 
you've got to help some things stay in. <clears throat> you've got to take some things that are already inside and learn how to manage those more. And so each one of those things. So what kind of patterns do you need to begin to guard your hearts against? You know, what, what kinds of things do you need to begin to look at? Tonight, I'll tell you what, we're just going to look at a couple tonight because we, we could look at, at a lot, but we don't, we don't have the time to look at all of them. So we'll just look at, at a couple. One of them is anger. You know, now, anger, um, you know, that's, that's where you've been hurt. Something's happened to you, you know. Uh, anger isn't necessarily wrong. You know, like uh, maybe you're over there and, uh, and you know, somebody says something to you or maybe they, they've done something to you or maybe just the way circumstances were, you got hurt. But then it's not a problem that you got angry about something. What happens is what do you do with that? Like some of you, someone has said something to you and you noticed anger welling up inside of you. And then you realize that your anger and what they said really didn't match up. I mean, your anger was more. And what you realize is there's just anger inside that you've been carrying around. Sometimes you're not even angry with them. You're just angry. And the problem with anger is if you let it go long enough, it builds into bitterness. And you begin to get angry and you begin to get bitter and you just walk around that kind of defines who you are so what do you do with the anger and bitterness well usually we try something like we explain it you know i come from a long line of angry people and see you know i mean you know my grandparents were angry my mom was you know and no no you know that's that's not what you should or sometimes we start acting differently we think okay i'll just i'll just uh, change my behavior Changing your behavior without changing your heart, though, I mean, that, that's like, you know, you have a brain tumor and you get a new hairstyle. You know, it, it doesn't work well. You know, I mean, all you're doing is work on the outside. You need to work on what's inside. So sometimes we downplay it. We'll say something like, you know, well, I can't believe you're still holding on to that. You know, and we, you know, just because I got angry. So, you know, what are you upset about? Here? But what we need to do is forgiveness. You know, I mean, when, when, when we find ourselves angry about something, ask ourselves the question, what do we think someone did? What do we think someone did to us? What did they take? Because you've all heard the expression, somebody say, well, they owe me. You know, well, what, did, what did they take? I mean, begin to identify those things, begin to look at that, and then begin to choose to forgive. Forgiveness is simply a decision to cancel out the debt of another. It's a decision to cancel out the debt of another. Um, you know, just like you can hurt others, you, you can also, we can be hurt by them. So if we aren't careful, that hurt, we carry it around and it, it allows bitterness to grow. And then the enemy gets a real foothold in our life. And what forgiveness does, it breaks the foothold of the enemy in our life. When you choose to forgive others, your heart just releases that, and so the enemy the enemy can't uh, the enemy can't use that in your in your heart. He can't do more damage to your heart that way. So forgiveness is a huge thing. You know, um, I just tell you, I, I really encourage you. You're gonna love uh, spring break time. We're gonna be talking about total forgiveness there, and you're gonna get some 
some great insight and some great help and, and some of that. But that, I would really encourage you to, to get signed up for that, to tell you a little bit about how that, how that works with me. Um, you know, I, I can tell you one of my own stories. You know, there, there was a situation that went on with me and um, there was a guy that uh, was supposed to be like, you know, a really um, good friend, supposed to be like a mentor, a guy that was really helping and there came a point where I found out that uh, much of that wasn't true. He, he had just been slandering. He'd been saying these things and, you know, <clears throat> he had been doing all kinds of things. And so I looked at that <clears throat> and as I did, you know, I, I found myself very angry with him. I mean, this went on for several years. I just found myself inside just very angry. And I remember like someone would mention his name and I don't know whether you guys have felt this with somebody, but someone would mention their name and all of a sudden this feeling would begin to arise inside and I would need to tell my story. I would need to tell about how he had done me wrong because after all, I was kind of afraid, you know, if I don't tell my story, then he's liable to get away with this and people are liable to think he's a good guy. And you know, not only that, but he may be admired and, and no one will know all the things that he's done. And, you know, he might not even suffer. He might, he might live a blessed life or something. So I need to tell. And then one day I decided, no, you know what I need to do? I need to forgive. And I thought, but, 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 and I kept thinking all these things. And finally I said, no, I need to forgive. And so I did. Just as a decision, I canceled out the debt and said, you know what? He does not owe me. I, I choose to forgive him. In fact, I wrote down the different things that I thought, you know, he had really done and taken. And I just forgave all of those. You know, a while after that, I heard his name come up. And I just sat there and I realized I wasn't angry anymore. You know, that was gone. It wasn't holding on to me anymore. If you're going to have a free heart, one of the things you've got to do is follow Solomon's admonition and guard, guard it against things like anger and bitterness. The second one, you know, just what do you do with guilt? You know, uh, with anger, you've been hurt by somebody. With guilt, you've hurt somebody or you've, you've done something you know was wrong. Now, what do you do with that? Well, a lot of people, you know, there again, they excuse it. They come up with a reason why it makes sense. Others, they, you know, they resolve that they're, they're going to do something good now to make up for it. Other people just get busy and forget about it. Other people, their, their primary way of dealing with it is just to ignore it. None of those work. The key thing when you find yourself guilty, confess. Confess. And in confession, what I simply mean is you acknowledge what is true about you before God. You just agree with him. You know, God, this is true. This is what I did. But I would tell you this. The odds are, if you really acknowledge that and confess it, what you'll find is you will not be near as apt to repeat that again. You will want to keep your heart clean. So two of the great things you can do to deal with problems in your life, to deal with patterns in your life like that, is to learn to solve the problem by 
forgiving, learn to solve the problem by taking and, and confessing and getting things cleared up. But here's the other part. You also have parts of your heart that there's things that are going on inside already. So scripture says there's three patterns within all of our hearts that we are born with. And you've got to be aware of those. There's three things that go on in your heart. You know, you didn't have to go work to get these in your heart. You didn't have to do anything. They came prepackaged in there. Kind of like, you know, you get your computer and there's things that are already on there. Well, that's the way it is with your heart. There's three things that God says are built up in there. In Proverbs 22, 15, he says, folly is bound up in the heart of a child. Folly is bound up in the heart of a child. Now, the word folly there, it, it's... It's a word, what it really means is, in, in the Hebrew, it means selfishness. It's this stubborn self-centeredness, this selfishness that we have. Have you ever noticed with little kids, you don't have to teach them to be selfish or anything? I mean, one of their favorite words when they get to where they can speak is mine. It's mine. You know, and you're like, holy cow. I mean, these people, you know, they're, they're serious about this. You know, I mean, you do not want to cross, you know, I mean especially with things like donuts or things like, I mean, don't cross them. Good night. It's theirs. You know, I mean, stay away from it. And so what you find is there's this stubborn self-centeredness that's there. Now that problem could be bad enough, except it's joined by two others. One of them is just harm, harm. And this, it's just a willingness to hurt others if they do certain things, you know, like if they block you from getting what you want, or if they treat you without the respect and deference you think that you deserve, or if, if they just do something you don't like. Now, wherein the stubborn self-centeredness is kind of this, I want what I want when I want it. This view of harm that's in your heart, this harm, it's kind of, you know, I don't want to hurt you to get what I want, but I will. And what you find is that's in everybody's heart. Solomon picks up on that in Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes 9, he says, this is the evil in everything that happens under the sun. The same destiny overtakes all. The hearts of men, moreover, are full of evil. And that word he uses right there, evil, it's the word harm. They're full of harm. And then he picks up on the second one when he says, there is madness in their hearts while they... Uh, while they live, and afterwards they join the dead. The third aspect is just arrogance. You know, the word he uses here is madness. Now, you think, why would he call arrogance madness? Because when you look at the uh, translation in Hebrew, it, it could really be translated pride or arrogance. You think, okay, why does he call that madness? Because God is clear in Scripture that he opposes the proud. Now, think about this for a minute. You make choices where the God of the universe steps across the line of scrimmage and lines up against you. What would you call that? Madness. That's what that is. You know, it's stupid. You know, I mean, you, you just, you, you, you think. But this arrogance, what that arrogance tells us is something like this. You know what? I deserve it. The reason they ought to treat me this way, the reason they ought to do whatever is I deserve it. So. That's found in the same verse, like we said there, Ecclesiastes 9.3, when you look right there and it says, you know, and there is madness in their hearts while they live. So if you put those three together, what you get is this. I want what I want, 
I'm willing to hurt you if you get in my way because I really deserve this. Now, those things are in our hearts to start with. And when we choose to follow Christ, what we have to do is we have to learn to live a new way of life, dealing with those issues in our hearts. Now, if you learn to guard your heart, one of the things you're going to find out is there's problems and there's tensions. You solve problems, you manage tensions. And so if you will begin to solve some of the problems in your life, like anger and, and guilt and, and greed and other things, if you'll begin to solve some of the problems in your life, then what you'll find is it's much easier to manage the tensions that are already there in your heart that you have to deal with. Now, the reason you need to do that is you also find right there when, he, when he's talking um, in Ecclesiastes 9.3, he says, madness in their hearts while they live. In other words, you're never going to get rid of these. As long as you are alive, arrogance is going to rise up in your heart from time to time, and you've got to deal with it. As long as you're alive, you're going to find this willingness to hurt someone that will arise in your heart, and you've got to deal with it. As long as you're alive, what you're going to find is this stubborn selfishness is resident in your heart, and you've got to learn to deal with it. So what I'd like to spend the last part of our time with here is how, how do you how do you manage that? How do you manage the tensions that remain? How do you manage the tensions that remain in your heart? One of the first things, um, let's take them in order, just selfishness. How do you deal with selfishness? Well, I will tell you this. The second part of, of that verse a minute ago says, you know, folly is bound up in the heart of the child. It says, but the rod of discipline drives it far from him. What he's saying there is parents can give their kids a real head start by disciplining them when they're young. So if, if you've been walking around sometime thinking, I never did like the fact that my parents disciplined me, you need to thank them. What they're doing is they're helping to drive, you know, selfishness out of your heart. Because when the pain of not changing exceeds the pain of changing, people change, you know? So, you know, they're, they're helping you out by doing that. The second thing you can do with selfishness, place yourself in situations that call for sharing. You know, like be a part of families, be a part of teams, have roommates. I mean, you need roommates just to deliver you from yourself. You know, you need roommates around just to help point out the areas that you're selfish in. So do that, you know, get, get around and place yourself in situations like that. Another thing you can do to deal with selfishness, learn to keep commitments. Don't just do anything you want. You know, when someone is helping you to think through commitments you've made and to keep those, they're doing it because they're helping you to be a better version of you. So learn to do that. Learn to give, like, that is in helping others in things that they need or helping them in things they want. Learn to do that. Give of yourself instead of just thinking about you. You know, that's one thing you do with selfishness. With harm, there's a couple of hard attitudes that you can really practice. One, Practice confession and forgiveness. In other words, maintain clear relationships. The more you work to maintain clear relationships, the better you're going to do to put harm at bay, you know, kind of defang it. You know, another thing you can do, put the interest of others ahead of your own. 
the more you put the interest of others ahead of your own, the more you take and you just you just kind of pull the clutches of harm away and it, and, it, and it can't really hurt you in your heart. And then the last thing, arrogance. What, what do you do with arrogance? Well, one thing, practice humility. Now, I'm not talking about there. Sometimes I think humility, people think it's thinking badly of themselves. That's not it at all. Humility is knowing your place before God and taking it. Knowing your place before God and taking it. So if you want a real helpful thing, you know, Dallas Willard used to share a real helpful thing on humility. He'd say this, you want to be humble? He'd say, it's not hard. Never presume, never pretend, never push. Never presume. Never presume that you ought to be thought of in a certain way or treated in a certain way. Don't presume that. Never pretend. Don't act like you know things you don't know or people you don't know. Don't act that way. Don't push. You don't need to try to get your agenda across. If God wants the agenda across, he'll get it done. So just do those things and you'll develop more humility. You know, another thing you can do there again, begin to look to the interest of others. Boy, that'll really subside arrogance. Um, learn to receive correction. In fact, seek it out sometimes. I mean, it'll just be helpful for you. Learn to follow leadership well. I mean, that right there deals with a lot of arrogance in our hearts. Just learning to follow well. And so what happens if you don't address your heart issues? You know, what happens with that? Do you, uh, you know, anything? Yeah. Let me give you four things right there. One, there's very little change. There's very little change in your life. In fact, what you'll find is that um, the cancer continues to grow. You're just working on making the outside look good. So you've got to deal with your heart, not just your behavior. The second thing is you'll find yourself living two lives. You know, the one seen by others and the one inside. And you just hope that those don't come out. You know, um, I know a friend that was, um, she used to work on staff at the University of Oklahoma. And she was riding with this girl one day, a gal that she was building into. And she'd been around the gal for a couple of years. And they were in this car out eating lunch. And the girl was driving. And my friend was in the car with her. And this girl um, backs up. And this guy in another car nearly hits her. And she begins to question whether his folks were married when they had him. And um, my friend kind of sits there. And suddenly she realizes, oh, oh, no. The gal who's building into me is sitting here. See, those were things that when she was alone in the car, they came out quite often. And suddenly it's now here. And my friend said, you know, it got very quiet in the car. And then she just looks over and she said, did you used to have a problem with cussing? And the girl goes, uh-huh. And she goes, isn't that great? And she goes, what? She goes, isn't that great? You know, I've known you for about two years now. I think that's the first time I've heard you say something like that. Isn't it great how God's in the process of changing you? Uh-huh. You know, talk to the girl sometime after that. She said, you know what? I decided right then I want to change on the inside so that that doesn't ever happen again. 
the men and women, what I'd encourage you is you want to do the same. Otherwise, you've got to constantly be trying to figure out which life am I in right now? The third problem you'll see is this, that you'll really have some foundational problems in your life. You know, if, if the foundation of trusting in God, if the foundation of really doing life his way isn't there, well, your heart's going to be a mess. And probably one of the worst things is you'll miss out on so much of what God has for you. You'll just miss out on so much. Now, you can never adequately guard your heart just by yourself. You know, so what I would encourage you, let God have the rule of your life. If you do that, you know, he will challenge those things that try to come into your heart. He'll challenge those things from without. He'll challenge those things from within. The other thing is, watch what you let come into your heart. Watch what you let up, let grow. Set, set some guards up, you know, in terms of forgiveness and confession. Monitor the things that are going on in your heart. What you're going to find is this. God has a great life in store for you. And he longs to show you what he can do through a life that's really yielded to him. So what I would encourage you is guard your heart above all else for everything you do flows from it. So let me pray for us and I'll, I'll turn it back to Audrey so she can lead us in worship. Lord, would you... Um, Take in each one of our lives, God. Help us to honestly deal with you, not just at a behavioral level, but at a heart level. Others may not know a thing about what's going on inside of us, but you do. So help us to choose to live life in such a way that we really honor you and follow you as an audience of one. And we pray that in Jesus' name. And that's about all the time we have for the day. But thanks for listening to the USC Christian Challenge podcast. Since you're already here, you can subscribe to and listen to new and archived episodes on your favorite podcast platform. Now, I might be biased, but we have a lot of great content. If you like what you heard, leave us a rating and a review on iTunes. It helps us reach others with these resources. Once again, you can learn more about us at uscchristianchallenge.com or find us on social media at USC Challenge.